Most entrepreneurs struggle to generate more customers and online leads. Lack of quality online leads means lack of revenue, and that's bad for your business. Here at Investing in the US Podcast, we have partnered up with Ardor SEO, who have developed a system to help maximize your business and online exposure. Your experience as a business owner can radically change for the better with the right SEO team. And with Ardor's system, you wouldn't believe how simple it can be. So find out more by heading over to ardorseo.com. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. So to me, consistency and follow through is one of the most important things. In fact, I only have one tattoo and it's persistence, determination equals endless potential. But um, I think it's, I think that if you're going to, if you're thinking that you might want to start a meetup, you got to do it for at least three years. If you're thinking you're going to start a podcast, you got to do it for at least three years because the value that you get is slow in the beginning. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reed as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Adam Adams. Adam is the host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast and the founder of Blue Spruce Holdings. The journey for Adam started way back in 2005 when he took the plunge, like most of us, into part-time real estate investing. However, quickly, that became his full-time passion. Today, Adam is partnered in seven multifamily syndications with approximately 1,400 doors, slightly valued over $100 million. His company, Blue Spruce Holdings, focuses on finding and managing apartment communities to allow investors diversification of cash flow, tax benefits, and time freedom, which is the most important thing we all crave, right? Adam's primary role in the company is to attract capital, successfully raising millions of dollars from private investors. I'm really excited and pumped to have him on the show today, but enough of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Adam. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? 
I'm fantastic. How are you? Mate, I'm even better talking to you, big fella. It's Friday. Um, where are you dialing in from? Uh, Conifer, Colorado, up in the mountains, not too far from Denver. Nice, nice. How, how's the weather up there? Are you, are you surviving COVID and all this sort of stuff? We're barely surviving COVID and the <laughs> weather's okay. It's chilly. It's, it's probably chilly. 40 degrees. Wow. Okay. So still, you know, it hasn't hit the summer yet. It's here in Los Angeles, it started to warm up a little bit. So um, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm glad the summer's, summer's just around the corner. Mate, the first question I ask all my guests when we dive into the show is, rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. First ever dollar happened when I was five years old. And um, my stepdad, who we were we just we just moved in with him and uh my parents were engaged my he and my mom were engaged and they he was he owns a um a tree farm mm -hmm. and on the on the tree farm we had just thousands of trees and so it was one day he i was only five years old and he said that i needed to start learning how to be a man like i was like okay um, and so what I did was I got sunburnt watering all of those plants. So we had the longest hoses you've ever seen. And I was, I got paid a dollar an hour, uh, to water those plants. And so my first ever dollar as a kid happened, uh, getting sunburnt watering trees in, on the farm. Mate, hard manual labor is definitely a way of valuing a dollar because, uh, so, so I guess, how many years did you spend growing up laboring on the farm, watering trees, planting trees, just doing yeah. the hard yucca? Um, I grew up, so five years old, all the way till I was 15. And at 15, I decided to go work at Burger King because mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not working outside anymore. It's, uh, <laughs> I just can't, I can't get in the sun. It makes me sick. Um, it's, it's too hot. I, I don't, I hate being hot. Like just, really? um, I, I live up, up here in Conifer because it's 10, 12 degrees colder than it is in Denver. So we're up at 8,400 feet versus, uh, 5,200 feet. Um, so anyway, that way I can, I can sleep where it's cold and I don't have to be out where it's, where it's too hot. But at, back then, um, I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get an indoor job. So as soon as I am old enough, you couldn't get a job until you were 15 in, mm -hmm. in Utah back in that time. So as soon as I was old enough, I said, I'm, I'm out of here. And so I started working at fast food restaurants. Um, flipping, flipping burgers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, mate, fill in the, the, the gap. You know, we, talk, we spoke about in the introduction what you're doing today, but, like, where did that all come from? And, and, and did you go to uni? Did you have a trade? Like, where did all this entrepreneurial spirit come from over the years? It probably came from my dad. My dad um, wanted me to read, my stepdad wanted me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, ever since it came out, like he's, he's an avid reader. He's always reading. And, and this book came out, it, it, you know, opened up his mind a little bit. He was already an entrepreneur and he was already um, an investor. So we owned land and agriculture all over. We owned multifamily. So that I grew up owning multifamily when I was about nine is the first time I ever collected rent. I was eight or nine years old and, and I collected rent from one of our multifamilies because someone was late and he couldn't be home in time to collect it. So um, that's really where that came from. You asked if I went to university. I did end up going to university and while in, uh, while in college, my dad uh, bought me a piece of land 2005 
I was able to make a 12,000% return on that land in two years. Um, more money than I had ever seen. I was in college and I was bartending and you make maybe like a hundred bucks a shift, 120 bucks, something like that. And um, all of a sudden I made, I netted like 12 grand or something. And that was more than I had seen in a whole year on, on this piece of land after paying commissions and stuff like that. So I, I was, I was hooked. Uh, my dad bought it for me, but I, I left this part out on accident. His CPA made me buy it from him. Like mm. after he gave it to me, he was like, actually, I can't give it to you. You have to buy it. So I paid for it. And I thought that was a terrible 2005 Christmas present. But uh, I finally owned a piece of America. When I sold it two years later, I started, I started actually managing property because I found out that Robert Kiyosaki in that book that I read, I found out later on that he actually um, made his wealth, not with single family, but with multifamily. So he, he was running his business and he, had, he was investing in multifamily. And so I said, I'm skipping single family too. So I went straight from land to property management. And then in 2008, I bought my first, uh, my first apartment building. So, um, which didn't turn out so well in 2008, but that's okay. It's totally other story. Fast forward, when I finally got my tail out of my legs in 2015, I um, got back into tax deed investing, um, buying. I did all sorts of stuff I, on tax deeds. So, so that's how I got back into it about five years ago. Um, some properties I made a lot of money on. I doubled money on two or three properties. And then I ended up losing about five grand on a property during a hurricane that I owned in Florida that, um, that I had to lose the money because the, the, there, it was in process, in progress. And, and it was like taken apart. And as the hurricane was coming through, I was told that by the city of Sebastian, it's a city out in um, Indian River County, but they said, "Look, if you don't if you don't demo this property, we're gonna demo it for you." So I I hurried and paid for somebody to demo it, and we had to sell it during the hurricane for a loss. So it was the first one I ever lost money on. But bring brings us to starting to syndicate about three years ago, and um, it started off slow. My first deal took eight months to syndicate almost could have had a baby and um and the next one closed about a week or two later maybe three weeks later um so they you know what's his name michael blanc always talks about law of the first deal mm -hmm. and so fast forward three years um we've closed on seven total syndications that's awesome that's awesome it's a mate, massive uh that's some background in real estate and seeing, seeing that you had a bit of a uh, hiccup, it sounds like in 2008, but to come back and dust your knees off and get back on the horse, it, uh, it, it takes a few of those to, to, know the, what, to know what you're doing and how to make it better the next time around, right? So I'm sure those lessons that you learned along the way were not in vain and they, that you have yeah. applied them to your, your portfolio today. So, so well done. Um, I want to dive into what we were speaking a little bit about in, in the green room, really what about your passion uh, is in when it comes to real estate investing. Uh, and, and what I discovered, which was, I know, I've known you for a little while now, that you're really passionate about um, building communities, building podcasts, building meetups, building a brand. So in 
let, let's start there and talk. Let's talk about the branding side of it. And you know, I like I love branding just as much as the next bloke. Um, but what's the importance of having a good personal brand? And maybe you don't even think that a personal brand is good. But but what's your what's the important step to take when you're first starting out to to wanting to brand yourself as a as a not necessarily a thought leader, but maybe a key person of influence in your own sphere? Where, where do you start? Yeah. Well, you did say you did say a personal brand, and I I think that's really important because, in my opinion, people aren't doing business with uh, logos so much these days. They're usually doing business with people that they like. So, with a personal brand, I think people are usually going around and 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 approaching it at the wrong angle. When they're trying to do the personal brand, they think that they think that they need to build their their business brand, and they they think that they need to um, you know, jam, uh, education down people's throats. They think that they need to jam, um, you know, ideas down people's throats. I think it's a lot different than that. I think to really build a personal brand where people, um, can start connecting with you, you're, you're, you shouldn't be building up the business. You should just be, um, showing people who you are to the core. So in my opinion, when I help other people, you know, launch podcasts or launch, uh, get on social media. I talk to them about making sure that they understand their own story first. Like, what is your story? What are you? What do you? What do you like? Are you big into wine? Are you big into? Are you big into CrossFit? How about running or yoga or or are you a big foodie or do you love geeking out, watching movies, whatever it is? Um, you think about some of those things because people. Um, people want to see somebody who's real and well-rounded. So you start to try to build who you are to share it with the world, be the light beacon that just kind of shows people exactly who you are. People get deep into this and they start thinking I've got every post has to be, has to be about business or every post has to have a call to action or everything that I do has to be about my business. I would say maybe 20% of it does. The other 20 is you're talking about your kids. You're talking about the salsa lessons you're doing with your sweetheart. You're talking about um, enjoying this special kind of wine from this one region and you studied about it and you learned all about it. And as, as you people start seeing like, oh, he's a CrossFitter also. I love CrossFit. And they're going to be, they're going to be tied to you and others who hate CrossFit aren't. <laughs> so you're talking about yoga or CrossFit or whatever it is that you do. That's what I mean by building a personal brand is, is allowing people in, like opening up the doors and showing them who you really are. And some of your posts, about 20% of it's going to be about the finance if you're syndicating deals. So if your goal is to syndicate deals, bring in, um, bring in passive investors, for instance, every now and again, you've got to post about how important the, that finances are and how important passive investing is. But you got to be speaking to your... Um, to your exact avatar the right way so that they um so that you're in their shoes putting yourself in their shoes and answering the questions that they want to know and so that's i think building a personal brand is incredibly important and i think that people generally go at it a little bit wrong and if they think that that the personal brand is personal they're going to have a lot better results yeah, things that come to mind when you say stuff like that is is, is two things. One thing is that we it seems like we're all starting, and this we're in this world of personal branding. 
Um, but we're, we're essentially creating really a lifestyle business first. Like that could morph into a corporation or, you know, a big, you know, you're talking about logos before. But, and, but I think starting with intrinsically who you are and so people get to know, like, and trust you because, you know, when they invest with, particularly in real estate, when they invest with you, they're investing in you first and foremost. The deal's sort of secondary. Um, yeah. The second piece that I wanted to bring to that was, um, I heard a quote one time, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell, remember the person's name, but I do remember the quote. And the quote was, "Being different is better than being better." And so, what that, you know, what what that means to me is like, you don't just have to be better. You don't have to try and be beat Adam Adams or Reed Goosens or the next bloke, but you've got to be different. And being different is good because you spoke about the the CrossFit, you know. You're in a CrossFit, cool. Well, some other people go, screw CrossFit, you, you jock, you know, whatever. You're not going to attract those people and that's good because you're using that personal brand and what you love and feel to attract people who you want to do business with, right? And sort of in itself, it's going to weed out all the people you don't want to do business with um, and that's because the message of the personal branding is coming through because it's you get to go to the core of who you are and what makes you tick, right? Yeah. So I think that 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 quote to me always being different is better than being better. Any any comments or thoughts on that? Well, it's it's yeah because it really shows that the, we all know that there's more. If let's just say the listener wants to attract private capital, let's just mm -hmm. assume that for a second. Um, we all know that there's more money out there than there is deals. There's by far more money than you, you could ever use than there is deals. But it's it, there's a lot that's untapped, and if if I try to start another podcast that's exactly your podcast your pro your everything and i and i even copy your accent and everything like that <laughs> well i'm not helping anyone right. so if i if i am if i can find my niche and create a niche that's not already there then i'm i'm attracting a certain type of person and there's more than enough money for everybody we could right. have thousands and thousands of syndicators and still have too much money for the amount of deals that are out there. Talk to me a little bit about this idea of the marketing piece. So we spoke about the personal brand. Yes, you want to you want to create a story about who you are, and I think that's really important. But then going out and using different channels. And then the channels that we talked about, podcasting, um, I know you're heavily involved in Meetup, there's blogging, there's newsletters. How does one determine what's the best channel for them to go out and essentially have a, a, a megaphone to, to, to yeah. just preach their their story and their who they are and what makes them tick? What 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 do you say to those folks? Well, there's got to be one that you resonate with. What there's a lot of people that are listening that don't resonate with any because they're just afraid. Like they would have resonated with one, but there's something holding them back. Um, so for to that person, I would just say this is pretty important. Like read probably raises tens of, million, tens of millions of dollars a year because he has a podcast. So like I know that I have people logging in and jumping onto our passive investor list uh, every single week. We Every single week we get more and more and I don't have to go out and have conversations. So, mm -hmm. so by, by something you said, Reed, earlier, you said know, like, and trust. You gotta, they got to know you, like you, and trust you. Now, if you're not authentic, they can't like you or trust you. They, ju mm -hmm. they just can't. There's no way that they would believe that you are going to perform what you say you're going to perform if, they don't, if you're not an authentic person. But the know you part is also really important because if, if five people know you, like you, and trust you, then great. You might do business with two or three or four or five people. But, but if 
10,000 people or even 1,000 know you, like you, and trust you, you're probably going to be doing business with 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 different people. And so if you're, if you're skipping out on if you're skipping out on the branding, if you're skipping out on having something like a blog or a Facebook group or a podcast or a workshops that you host around passive investing, um, then it's going to be really hard for people to even know who you are. The right. few that do, they're going to be connected, but, but you're not going to hit your goals in, until you do that. So you asked, how do you select which one to do? And in my opinion, one of those, once you get over the fear of and, and knowledge that you got to do something, um, now it just goes with what resonates the most with you. Does, does hosting a weekly or a monthly meetup resonate with you? Does it feel good to, to kind of be the life of the party and, and put it all together? Maybe a podcast because it's simple. It's easy. You could do it from your underwear and nobody would know, you know, and maybe <laughs> you, you like video. that. <laughs> well, even on video, you're, the bottom half doesn't right, have to right. show. Um, uh, or do you want to do a YouTube? Like, do you love getting in front of a camera? Because if you do, YouTube would be a ph phenomenal way for you to start growing that influence. Um, blogs work really, really well. And a lot of the people that read blogs are very sophisticated people. So um, it's, it's your choice, but you've got to figure out which one kind of resonates with you. Um, I help a lot of people with podcasting. That's kind of the one that I, I personally love myself. But you can get just, amount, just the same amount of value by being a, a, a Facebook group leader. Like you start your own Facebook group. And then you can, you can be on there for two hours a day or 10 hours a day. And you'll be pulling in a lot of your target avatar, I call it. Passive investors, if you want to raise money. Or if you were like a coach, a mentor, you, you'd be pulling in the right people there. Or if you had a product to sell. Some of my clients are attorneys. I have a couple of securities attorneys that work with me uh, that I just help them brand, help them get out in front of people. But however it is, you got, you got to figure something. Mm -hmm. uh, your personal Facebook page, you got to be maybe hosting dinners. Let's just say all of the others are hard. At least hosting small dinners, like where there's four potential investors that are going to sit with you. Um, there's, there's more ideas that could resonate with you. You just got to figure out which one you're willing to do. And if none of them do, that just means you got to partner with someone like Reed, right? You got you to gotta partner with somebody who's willing to do it. Investing in the US podcast is proudly sponsored by ardorseo.com. Online marketing for your business shouldn't be a headache. And that's why the guys over at Ardor SEO have created a no-hassle system that will increase your online traffic, increase your leads, and generate predictable and reliable revenue. So what are you waiting for? Head over to ardorseo.com and find out more. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. Right. And I think the big thing you're talking about there is finding what resonates with you in order to go out and maximize it. And I remember, excuse me, um, when I you know, speak with people about the different ways in which you can start to have a bit of a megaphone, uh, the analogy I use is, you know, start with a monthly newsletter. It's simple. It's easy. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, podcasting takes a lot of time. You know, being in front of the YouTube, uh, in front of a channel for YouTube takes a lot of time with lighting and making sure you look, you know, bags under your eyes. Like there's a lot of things that go <laughs> go into it. Uh, and I've done all of them, right? I, I tried a little bit of each and actually podcasting was the best because it was able, I was able to do it from my home or my studio and I was able to reach so much more 
people or listeners uh, than I was doing my meetup or doing YouTube. So, um, it, it, and, and the other thing I want to add to that is, is the consistency piece because a lot of people get into this world of trying to have a brand or trying to um, take their business to the next level, but they're not consistent with it. They don't understand the consistency. So talk a little bit about what you try to teach with your consistency because that's the real important key in my mind. Like there's, there's obviously taking the leap of faith and just yeah. doing it, but then you've got to do it consistently. Completely. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to work. It's, it just will never work. So, so remember I told you I was, I used, was watering plants uh, mm-hmm. when I was five. Uh, I was, I don't remember how old I was uh, in this story, maybe, maybe six years old, seven years old, but um, I was, there's thousands of plants and I, and I, I was watering and watering and watering them. And it was one of those days that I just felt like I just got way too hot. It was July. It was Utah in the desert. And I was just like, I, I'm, I'm done. And I thought to myself, you know, I helped my dad out because I watered half the plants and I thought, oh, hey, I already made $2 and I don't want to be out here with the crappy weather for another two hours. It's just, I was done. So I went home and actually my stepdad said, Adam, like, how did you do that so fast? Like, there's no way you could be, you could be done already. And, and I was like, yeah, I just, I'm good. I'm, I, I decided, I just literally decided to quit. And that day, uh, I learned a lesson uh, on the discussion that you were just saying on the same topic you were just saying. I, that d- is the day that I learned a lesson. I learned it the hard way because my dad really reamed me. Um, he said, if you, you don't ever start something, you don't tell me you're going to do something and then, and then you don't do it. Like integrity, follow through um, is, is too important. And so it takes me to my first ever meetup group. I remember thinking to myself when, uh, when I was creating that meetup in 2016, um, I remember saying to myself, I promise that I'm going to do this for a year every single week on Thursdays during lunch. And if I'm the only, even if I'm the only one there, I'll just have lunch by myself and you know, bring my laptop. So I remember committing to that. And I had my dad in mind. And the the next day, the, a couple of days later, I was actually driving to the meetup and we had a huge snowstorm. It, we, it snowed about 10 inches in like two or three hours. It was insane. Um, and as I was trying to drive to, as I was driving to the, uh, to the, to the meetup, it was, it was at a smash burger. I kept thinking to myself, like, it would be so easy to cancel this. Like it snowed, it was, the snow was ridiculous. I should just message people. I'd, I'd actually said to myself, I'll probably be helping them. I'll probably be helping them because I'll save their lives because they won't have to drive in this. And, uh, and I kept thinking about that, but my, 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 it was literally my dad, that story of watering plants that, that brought me to say, I'm just going to go. I said I would do it. I said I would do it every single week. And it was not easy, but that first day that, that I went there, um, and there was four people. There was only four people that came. There was me, my partner, and four others. And um, I actually partnered with two different people in there. I've made thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars with two of the people that attended there. And to me, it, it's just knowing that if you start something, you got to follow three, through because if I, if I didn't go that day, it was snowing, it was 10, in, 10 inches of snow. If I would have turned around, if I would have not gone, 
those four people would have probably said, oh, he's not consistent. He doesn't follow through. And they never would have partnered with me or, and they never would have come to an, they never would have trusted me to come to another meetup. Mm. And so it's just, it's so essential for anyone who's starting something with podcasting. If you stop, if you, if you hold off for a while, iTunes algorithms jump on that and they say, okay, stop sending this. So when you get back to consistent, you've already lost it. You've mm. already lost it. You've already lost your listeners. Your listeners are already listening to someone else's show. If you're at a meetup, they've, they've already um, decided to go to somebody else's meetup. Um, so to me, consistency and follow through is one of the most important things. In fact, I only have one tattoo and it's persistence, determination equals endless potential. But um, I, think it's, I think that if you're going to, if you're thinking that you might want to start a meetup, you got to do it for at least three years. If you're thinking you're going to start a podcast, you got to do it for at least three years because the value that you get is slow in the beginning. Like at least that's how it was for my podcast uh, and my meetup. It, it was like a bell curve. So just you got to understand that if you're going to start it, you got to follow through with it. And if you have a story that helps you with consistency, you got to do it because not only is it better for other people, but it's better for you and your business for sure. Right. There's some absolute gold in there. And I think the, the biggest part of it, if we break it down, it's um, mentally preparing for how much work you have to do, right? I think that's the, people don't, you know, we, we talk about getting involved in real estate investing and achieving financial freedom. And, and, and even it's, it's as simple as something as like losing weight or being healthy. Like people go at things too quickly and that they don't have the reality, like for someone like yourself, to say like, this, no, this is going to take some time. And, and when you go into something and you do it for six months, like I'm not seeing any results, of course you're going to quit because you didn't have the right mindset going into it, right? So yeah. um, it's really important and I completely agree. I, I think when I first started my podcast, for whatever reason, the algorithms, um, when I got to 50 episodes, which was roughly a year, it just it was not just a flash in the pan and oh he's, he's you know he's not going away and you've been there for a year that was the mark where i saw the sort of podcast taking off a little bit more um but yeah consistency is super super key i've also done a meetup um and i also struggled with meetups because it's so much work in terms of the effort you need to put in so yeah. i know you have been asked to speak at um, meetup hq and you were able to talk to some of the engineers around the platform to to maybe leverage it a little bit better. Do you want to talk a little bit about that for the, for the listeners out there? Yeah. Um, all right. So when I was at in Manhattan at Meetup headquarters, I um, after, it was the day after I spoke in front of their top 150 Meetup organizers. Um, I went upstairs in the sixth floor and hung out with about 10 engineers. So we were in a huddle if you will. We're all standing around and I really enjoy getting around geeks. Like I really like just that brainiac. It's almost the opposite of me and I'm just always intrigued. So I was asking a lot of different questions. And I remember saying like out of, out of all 150 of us that you flew here from around the whole world, um, why, why was I one of the speakers? Because I know a lot of other people that weren't a speaker that, um, that in fact have a larger meetup than me. And so the engineers actually showed me um, a few different algorithms that they that help uh, why my meetup was placed in front of people. So I think I was the only meetup in the state of Colorado that was considered. They call it a super group, a super group. 
Um, and here's, I'm going to try to give you all four of the things that I learned from them because there was four. I hope I can remember all of them. Maybe <laughs> I just remember three. Um, one of them was consistency, literally what we were just talking about. One of them was that you have a regular schedule of when you're going to meet. So we met weekly, every single week, um, 51 Thursdays a year, every day but Thanksgiving. And um, so that was a huge one. The second one was if you get the same people coming back. So if you're able to, if the same people who attended at this event end up coming to the next event, that boosts you in the algorithms, huge. So having the same people continue to come over and over and over. Um, and so what I did to help people come over and over and over, here's like a tip or trick for anyone who might be doing a meetup, is uh, that story, that personal brand that we talked about earlier, I made sure that I had one and I, and I made sure that the, the meetup group had one, had a story. And so every single time I would tell people, here's the reason why we meet weekly. It's because um, if, if you look at um, psychology of sales, it generally takes you to see somebody, meet somebody six times to 15 times before you can start doing business. And so I know that there's a lot of great meetups out there. I understand that there's a ton of awesome meetups, and, but most of them meet monthly. And if you, come to, if you go to those meetings, like it's going to probably take you six to 15 months before you ever do a deal with anyone in the room. And then I would say, that's why you know, the word because is a human psychology word that anything following the explanation of, a, of something give, adds more credibility to it. So I say that's why uh, at this meetup, people keep coming back every single week because they know that in just six weeks, they might be able to start doing deals with each other. Hmm. And so I just created a story why mine was different, why I niche down. You know, if you, if you have a podcast, you create a story of what your podcast does. You might, just for an example, you might say that there's a lot of podcasts out there that are helping operators. This is the only podcast that helps past investors be safe or something mm -hmm. like that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then you, you have your story different. So number two was that I had people coming back every single time and it helped to have a story. The third one that I learned from the engineers up there was that the ratings and reviews. And I don't know all of the reasons why I had so many incredible ratings and reviews. Maybe it has happens to be that I was meeting weekly. So I just had more events than any other group. But um, sometimes I would ask for reviews. Sometimes I would say, hey, at the end of this, l l uh, leave a review. Let me know what you think about, about it because I, I want to know if you enjoyed this speaker. And I, and I would just say that in the benefit of the, the attendee. I want to know, I want the feedback because I need to know if I should have the speaker come back again. So please, when we're done, leave an honest review. But apparently I had more five-star ratings and reviews than almost anyone in the world. Like it was insane. So the meetup headquarters, that was one of the biggest reasons that got them to put me as one of the speakers because of that. But I think that it was because we had, we were, doing more events, right? We were doing more events more often. So like if I was meeting weekly, I was, I could, I could get to that level four times as fast as other people. Um, uh, another one that they said was 
Uh, I can't remember. There's three good ones though. There's three really good. You just ones. went. You just went through three. So you went to regular schedule, um, which is really important. Uh, looking to have the story, the reviews and ratings, and the consistency of people coming back over and over again. And I think there might have been a Perfect. fourth one, but but I think that that Perfect. is that's so key that the the regular scheduling, which I know personally, I struggled when I first started my podcast, uh, my podcast, my um, meetup when I came moved to, to LA because I wanted to try and get some exposure. Um, and it was just, you know, it started costing me money and it was just, it was a lot trying to also work a W2 job. So uh, consistency is super, super key. And you got to find what you're good at, right? You also got to know that do you want to host events and do you want to be around other people, 30, 40, 50 people every single week? Does that sound like a lot to you? Does that sound like a drag? Well, if it does, then maybe choose a podcast or maybe do a blog, you know, something where you don't yeah. have to be in front of people. So I think it's, I think it's really, really key that, uh, yeah, and it just goes back to consistency. So, um, but 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 well done on on the uh, accolades there with getting all the reviews and getting being, being asked to speak at, at uh, Meetup HQ. That's uh, that's awesome. So, Thank you. So, yeah. So, mate, I, I guess coming towards the end of the show here, what is what do you got in store for twenty twenty and beyond with with the branding and and the podcast and the meetups and the whole sort of tapestry or tool belt, as as someone would say, that you've got at your disposal. Perfect. Um... I would, with our company, Blue Spruce Holdings, um, based on where we are in, in a market cycle and based on some of what um, is going on with coronavirus right now, we are probably taking at least three months uh, to just wait. And instead of buying apartment communities off of a T12, I think we're going to at least wait three months and then start looking at the T3 and see, you know, if there was a, if there was a dip. So, I guess we're, we've kind of got our tail between our legs just for the next three months we're holding. If I was somebody who, who is brand new and hadn't done a deal, I think it's a great time to learn because there's probably going to be some really good opportunities. But for us, we're taking three months off and we're, um, we're doing more. I'm launching my first uh, po- YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I've had the podcast for a few years, uh, two, two years or three years. And uh, this would be my first YouTube channel. Um, as far as what else, what else we got going on? Uh, coaching, consulting, um, still doing that. And I think this is a good time for people who are looking to brand to, to focus on that. Um, and then uh, for my meetups, we're right currently, we're doing all virtual meetups because <laughs> of what's going on. Um, but once it comes back out, we'll go back to weekly. Um, I love the weekly meetups and we'll keep them at lunch. And as far as I think that answers most of your questions. That's kind yeah. of what we're focused on in 2020. No, so it sounds like, you know, um, what's the word? You know, like the trees where you, not cultivate, but the word where you you, you nurture the community that you've created, right? You, you, you're diversifying a little bit in terms of doing online meetups and, and you doing a YouTube channel, but it's all still consistently, consistently around building a good community. I can definitely see from just talking to you, you really have a passion for that. And I think that has come probably why you've had so many awesome reviews and so many consistent people coming back is because you love what you do in terms of creating a community for other like-minded people to be successful, right? And I love yeah. what you said about the, the, the touches, you know, the, the six or seven times you meet someone that you're then uh, more likely to do a deal. Uh, I have heard, you know, other statistics out there with social media that you've got to, you know, with the different um, uh, touches uh, and you do in-person touches, which are really um, strong touches, 
but with sort of online uh, touches, you got to like do like twenty two or twenty five yeah. now because it's it just is. so much, right? It you know, is. Any, just- any, <laughs> it's completely it's completely growing. But two years ago, when I started saying that, um, it was six to fifteen, was but now online, just like you said, it's like twenty two, twenty four touches is where it starts to be. So, um, which is cool because one there was one of my um, passive investors that there was somebody who wasn't yet a past investor, but I let him know that I had a podcast and he, he told me that he listened to 60 episodes before wow. he called me. So he listened to 60 and now he's one of our top, uh, past investors, but it took him more than the 20 that you're talking about. <laughs> Cause on, on these online things, it's, uh, it can, it can take a little bit longer. So you got to really, that just adds to the thought about being consistent or, uh, maybe doing more than one episode per week if you can, ins- right. instead of, you know, one episode a week if you have the opportunity to do it. So, and and, and just to to close that loop is is really the, the the podcasting and the the branding and the digital assets that you create and your, more of your physical assets with with Meetup. What it does is it, it compresses getting to know someone over a five or six year period into like six to twelve months, right? And and yeah. and, and the more content you have. The, the the more you can compress that getting to know people, uh, which is essentially what branding is, right? You get to, yeah. you, you get to know them enough because you've seen them often. Okay, I trust them because I've seen them so many times. And yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna invest or buy their widget or, or yeah. employ them, whatever they might be for their services. So yeah, it's really 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 cool stuff, mate. Uh, at the end of every show, we love to dive into the, a lightning round called the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Gratitude. That's the main The main one is just focusing on everything that I've been blessed with. Because when I focus on what's going wrong as an entrepreneur, every entrepreneur listening to this knows that, um, that, that you get hit all the time. So I take time in the morning and in the evening. And sometimes I have to do it in the middle of the day to just mm-hmm. focus on what I'm grateful for and it changes my mind and gets me uh, ready to go. Uh, yeah, completely agree with that. And I like how you are trying to catch yourself in the middle of the day if it starts getting a little stressful just to like refocus. Okay, it's getting a little stressful today. What am I grateful for? You know, and then just going yeah. back onto the, back into the whatever you're doing. Uh, awesome, awesome answer. Question number two, who is the most influential person in your career to date? I'm going to have a guess, but maybe you can tell me. <laughs> There's too many. There's too many. Dang it. Um I've, I, I take from everybody. You know, my mom is probably the most influential, told, okay. told me that I could do whatever I set my mind to. I believe that. But I've learned a lot from Rod Cleef, Joe Fairless, from you, from your, one of your partners, um, Andrew. Uh, I, lear- I learn a lot from a lot of different people. Um, they're, they're, I would say that I learned a lot from, uh, what's his name, uh, Russell Brunson who hmm. owns ClickFunnels and he yep. talks a lot about psychology and persuasion. And then, I, I mean, I read 30 books this year so far um, and I learned tidbits for everything. So who were you going to guess, by the way? Your dad. Oh, your stepdad. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, my <laughs> stepdad for sure. You're absolutely right. I would, I think you're right. I should have used that answer. <laughs> my face is red because I, I thought that was such an av- obvious answer. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But no, but we'll we'll give it to you. Your parents are so important when growing up, and sounds like you had an incredible upbringing with them. You know, at your side, 
you know, showing showing you the, the way and, and uh, challenging you to, to be more and, and do more. So, so well done. Uh, in your business, what question number three, what is the most influential tool? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a, a phone or a journal, uh, or it could be a, a software that, that you use that you can't run the business every day without this particular tool. So, so what is it? I'm going to say virtual assistants. I'm okay. going to say uh, building a team and... Um, it's much easier to pay somebody who is going to take three to $7 an hour versus somebody who's going to take 12 to 20 or 25. I had an assistant that I paid 50 bucks an hour in the U S for a short time, but, um, yeah, virtual assistants being able to work with people in another completely another country. Uh, one of my virtual assistants, um, has an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one has a finance degree. The other one, I have four, one has a business degree and I'm paying them about five, six bucks an hour. Wow. So. It's incredible. That's awesome. That's a, and it's building teams, right? And, and the whole outsourcing overseas and globalization is definitely um, where a lot of entrepreneurs help scale their business because they can get out of their own way and they can hire people to, to do certain tasks that they just hate to do. So awesome stuff. In Question number four, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? Uh, probably, man, there's, there's a lot. Shoot. Um, biggest failure would probably be the one that I'm most embarrassed about is our first conference that I hosted. Um, I lost so much money. Like I lost a lot of money on that conference and I told my partners that we were going to probably make, um, um something like a hundred thousand dollars. Um, I expected 400 people to be there. We had um, 220 and um, I had to give a lot of the tickets away for free. And, um, and us, like at that time in our business career, we, um, we weren't in a place that we could lose very much money. And we lost, I think, like 40 grand on that. And wow. um, it, it was just, it blew my mind. I was embarrassed to, to and ashamed with my, uh, all my partners that I told them this was going to be like the coolest thing we ever did. And, um, what I, what did I take away from it? I, I took a lot away from it. I learned a little bit more about marketing branding. I learned a little bit more about being able, being able to utilize free, uh, resources like the social media algorithm that could allow me to get in front of more people and not have to pay. I learned not to uh, pay, put ads on the radio because I think I wasted $20,000 just on radio ads. That was a big part of it. Um, but man, um, at the same time, I know that it's important to get in front of people and to support people and help people and be the thought leader. Um, so we tried it again. We lost some money and we tried it again. We finally started making money at these events. Um, and I think it's important that anyone makes money. For a while, I thought to myself that it, that, that it was better that we, this was like an investment. And for mm -hmm. a while, I was thinking this was an investment, but reading the book Profit First, it really made right, me cool. feel bad. And um, I started to just say, you know what? I shouldn't feel bad about profiting from an event. Like I shouldn't feel bad. Like that's the way that we keep our business in business. And so I changed a lot after, after that experience and reading that book. Um, just so much, but I get, I'm, maybe the biggest takeaway was 
I think I was actually worried about making money with an event deep down. I felt like if I made money at an event that I would be letting my audience down and, mm. and I had to get over that. So Interesting. Well, I will say, just to give you a bit of credit, that conferences, are, you know, I know so many conferences, the first couple of years, one, one or two years, they lose money. It's not too like, oh, good. Year, it's not too <laughs> like years three and four that they're starting to actually make money. Um, and so I, I know very prominent conferences that, that, that in the first year and, and maybe it's the second year they break even, the third year they're finally profiting. Um, because you, you got to get you got to get your legs underneath you, right? You got to you got to make so many freaking mistakes, and it goes back to that mindset on the beginning um, where we spoke about earlier in the show. Like if you, you've got to commit to three years on a podcast or three years yeah. on, a, on on a blog, it's the same thing. You have to commit three times to a conference, three years in a row. The first couple of years you might lose some money, but you got to understand that you're going to lose the money in order to think that it's an investment for then when you do get to hit your stride in year three, year four, your fifth year, it's just, you know, going bananas and you're making bloody half a million bucks uh, every conference. We were, yeah. Uh, you know, the like third that, one made that. The and that's, third one. That's, that's fantastic, right? Like, you know, but looking back, imagine if I told you that before you started, do you think you'd beat yourself up as much? I don't no. think you would. Exactly. No. <laughs> so it's it's just, you know, it's all, all, all hindsight 2020. I'm sure the embarrassment of it was was massive, but Man, you, you dusted your knees off and you got back on the horse. So well done. Um, big follow-up. Last question before we, we, we wrap up the show is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? Raisingmoneycoach.com. Raisingmoneycoach.com. All right, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today's show. I just want to reflect some of the, the cool nuggets and uh, piece of advice that you're giving away. And I think the biggest thing for me is, is authenticity. Uh, I wrote that down earlier on the piece. Having true authenticity in and around your brand will attract more leads, will attract more business, regardless of what you do. Not just in the real estate space, but you know, you're helping some some SEC attorneys create better brands. And I'm sure in and around that is their authenticity. Um, being consistent. I don't think we can drive that home enough. The consistency <laughs> and authenticity are huge. And, and, and I guess that the last one is you're, you're constantly learning. I think I just wrote that down at the end there. sounds like you're, you're an avid reader. You're constantly hungry for more knowledge. And you're also willing to look at your own failures as stepping stones towards the, the better future. So um, I, I hopefully, did, did I leave anything out there? No, that was awesome. awesome. You crushed awesome. it. Awesome, man. Well, look, I want to thank you again so much for jumping on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Wash your hands and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Adam. If you do want any of his incredible advice, please check him out all over social media. You can check out Triple Adam, Triple A or Adam Adams. Uh, he is everywhere. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can uh, you can get into his sphere and learn a little bit about more what he does and if he can help you with your own brand. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it, get on iTunes and give the show a five-star review. Simple and easy as that. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.